0: Welcome to this message from Liberty Church, Thetford. So no one told you life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke, you're broke. You're not lost, you broke, your life lost your way. Good morning. It's so good to be back and I'm looking forward to sharing with you all again this morning. If you don't know me that well or you know maybe it's your first morning at church I assure you by the end of this 30 minutes you're probably going to know me better than most of my family. Do we have any Friends fans in the room? Yeah? Well I've got some good news and some bad news. I am not going to be talking about Friends this morning. I know the theme tune probably got you excited. But I am going to play you one of my favourite clips in a minute. And I also do a very good moniker impression. Now, it's been raining outside, so by the end of the 30 minutes, if my hair has like, gone up to here, uh, we'll call it a moniker. All right. <laughs> it's the humidity. Um, What I'm actually sharing about this morning has the potential, if you let it, to overcome some of the challenges that you are facing in your world. And whether you believe in God or not, this is a simple principle and it applies inside and outside of church. Now, it could be a revelation, something you've not really thought about much before, or it could just be a refresher. And sometimes that's what we need, just a little heavenly nudge. Because we know it, it's knowledge that we have, but over time we've just, you know, slipped into some bad habits. And I definitely fall into that latter category. I'm a wife, a mum, a businesswoman, a housekeeper, an animal carer church builder, the list goes on and it's easy for me to get swept up in that tide of busyness and forget about the importance of my vocabulary. Now I'm not about to teach you an English session, lesson, I can't even talk so there you go, I'm definitely not qualified for that but I do want to talk this morning about words and to do that we're just going to kick off with one of my favourite scenes from Friends. I'm not. Why would you say that? That's just mean. Now I've upset you. What did I say? Not what you said. It's just the way you said it. (laughs) Oh, my God! I'm a woman! (laughs) I love it. I love friends. I've lost track of the amount of episodes that I've watched over and over again and it still makes me laugh. It's brilliant. But I'm guessing that everyone in here at some point maybe has either said or heard the phrase, it's, it's not what you said, it's, it's the way that you said it. Maybe there's some married people smirking a little bit in here this morning. Between me and Matt, my husband on the front row, he's probably more likely to say it to me than the other way around. But but we've all heard it at some point in our lives. So why do I want to start with this clip? Why did I want to highlight this phrase? Well... When I was last speaking, some of you might remember, I was sharing about um, my difficulties with my rescue dog, Zeke. So he's always been extremely anxious, and I'd kind of run out of ideas on how to fix him. And I shared that I sought God's direction in that situation. You know, I prayed, and I was like, God, I really need you to help me. And one of the ways that God equipped me to overcome those issues were with my words. Because what I needed to do was love him. And one of the ways I had to do that was to deliberately speak over him words of love and affirmation. And that process was really important to both of us. Because he's a dog, obviously he has a limited understanding of words. I mean, for a dog, to be fair, I think his vocab is pretty good. But the important thing in that process for him was how I said it. Because What I said needed to land lovingly and convincingly because how he received the message I was giving him was more about my tone of voice and my body language. So when I'm calm, he knows. If I'm afraid, he knows. Um, If I'm angry, he knows because my body language, my tone of voice, and even what's happening chemically in my body gives it away. He's aware of all of those things. In fact, as I was literally prepping this part of the message. He came and he like nudged my hand. You know how they do when they want you to stroke him. But I just sat down at my desk with a steaming hot cup of coffee. And as you can imagine, it went everywhere. It was all over my desk, it got in my keyboard, it went all over my notes, over my diary, my Bible. And my reaction was pretty much something like, <laughs> and I didn't need to say any words. He could tell from my body language and my very scary face that I was not impressed, and he scarpered. He was like, oh, I'm not hanging about, I'm off. And obviously, I'm not just going to talk about my dog today. (laughs) Because this this principle is, is the same for anyone you have a conversation with. Your body language is a huge part of that conversation, and the tone of voice that you use will dictate how that person receives the information that you're giving them. And some people are more sensitive to tone than others. So if you think about the amount of people that get offended by text messages and emails, it's because they're receiving the words, but not the tone that goes along with them. They don't know how you meant it. And I think as well... GIFs nowadays are so popular. I send GIFs all the time. But I love it because it's a visual representation of the words that you're saying. It kind of conveys the emotion that you're trying to get across really, really well. So if I tell Reuben or Matt that I'm proud of them, but I say it sarcastically, the words I use and the inflection don't line up. So what's going to happen is they're probably not going to believe me. So what I said would be discounted by the way that I said it. So we know that how you say something is really important. But here's the thing. Whilst I was rehabilitating my dog, Zeke, well, I still am, to be honest. It's an ongoing process. I'd gotten tired and fed up and really downhearted. So when I felt God prompting me to overcome the situation by loving him, although the tone of voice and the body language side of it was really important to him for me the words that I said really impacted me they were really important for that process for me because as I was convincingly telling him with my tone and my body language you know I love you and you're such a brave dog such a good dog does get you some funny looks in public but I'm good with that it's cool but those words were having an impact on me because my thought patterns had to line up with those words So the way I felt about it in a very short space of time actually changed. I felt completely differently about him and about the situation because my words were positive and then my attitude became positive. And I couldn't have achieved the same result by saying negative words in a good way. So I couldn't have said, I hate you think in a loving way. I mean, it just just doesn't compute in my head. It's hard for me to even (laughs) verbalise that. But that word hate would have reinforced the negative feelings in me because my brain has a memory bank. And in that memory bank is stored all the information and all the emotion surrounding that word. So it just wouldn't have worked. And I'm pretty sure that Zeke would have just ended up a very, very confused dog (laughs) because he would have known that something wasn't right. So we know that when we look in the Bible, if you've been in church a long time, There are lots of scriptures relating to words and how important they are. You might have even read James 3, where it talks about the tongue being like a fire, so powerful that a small spark has the potential to ignite a forest. Or even in Proverbs, it states that the tongue has the power of life or death. That's a very well-known one. So therefore, surely, it is what you say, and it is how you say it. So this reworked expression has kind of been on my mind since I prepped for the last message. And I was quite excited about revisiting this subject and doing it a little bit differently. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get scientific. And anyone that knows me well knows that me and science are not a thing. I love animals. And when I was a child, I wanted to be a vet. That was all I dreamed of doing. I wanted actually to be an equestrian vet. And um, it wasn't until I got to high school, and I thought, "Oh no! If I'm going to be a vet, that means I've got to study science for like ever." So I became a photographer. <laughs> That's how that went down. <laughs> but anyway, I researched um, some studies about the impact of our words and how we deliver them because I wanted to bring it in a slightly different light. And you know, some of the things that I found out were. There was a a study that suggested when you speak positively to molecules of water, that as they freeze, they form more complete and beautiful patterns. Obviously, in comparison to if you speak negatively to them, they just don't really form very nice patterns at all. It's amazing, really. There was another experiment that I found, which is called the rice experiment. I don't know if any of you have ever come across it, but what happens is you get your pots of boiled rice and then you have one that's negative and one that's positive and you put them in your fridge and then every day you take out a pot of rice and you speak uh, positively to one. You tell it you love it and how good it is, etc. And then you speak negatively to the other. And what happens is over a period of time in this experiment, the the end result is that one pot of rice that you've been speaking uh, positively to it's kind of stayed fresh, it's not really changed much. But the other one, by this point, has gone really mouldy because the decay rate has been much faster. And it's just meant to be like a a representation of the power of our words. Because what we say and how we say it affects the recipient. So we're either giving life or we're bringing destruction in that situation. Now, I thought about possibly doing this experiment to show you all. (laughs) And then it occurred to me that what would actually happen is after about a month, I'd just have two pots of rice that were mouldy somewhere in the back of my fridge because I would have forgotten about them. (laughs) So instead, I took my recently deceased aloe vera plant back when I was processing and I thought, I'm going to do a Jesus on this plant. Like I'm going to speak to it every day. I'm going to tell it that I love it and how good it is and I'm going to tell it to grow and it's going to come back to life. It worked with my dog. Well, he wasn't dead. <laughs> but he definitely became a better dog. So I thought, you know what, it's going to work with this plant. So I phoned Phil and I told him about it all and I was like, this is, this is what I'm doing so you can be my witness. And he said... You know you need to have two plants, right? You have to be negative to one and positive to the other. And I thought about it, and I was like, oh, it's not really my style. I don't really like, well, I don't really want to be nasty to a plant. So I thought, no, just one will do. That'll be fine. I'll just stick with the one. So, you know, I took pictures of it, and um, I repotted it, because there was barely any soil left, and um, put it on my desk. And I've got some pictures here to show you, actually. So we've got the first slide is um, the plant as it was back then you can see it's leaning, right? So it, I don't know, maybe to the untrained eye, this plant doesn't look that bad. However, it wasn't leaning towards the light to grow more, as some of you might be thinking, as I was thinking. Nope, the roots had disintegrated. There was no roots. So it was leaning because there was nothing to anchor it into the pot. Um, I've got a picture of the roots to show you. Look how non-existent they are. And another picture of the plant on my desk, ready to be loved. I've repotted it into some new soil. And so today I have with me, are you ready for this? Drum roll, anyone? Can we do a drum roll? (laughs) It's an empty plant pot because after about day two, I forgot to speak to it or water it and it died. Like, it was already dead, but it was really, really dead. (laughs) So, what I learned from this is that um, science experiments based with plants and just general plant care really should be left to more organised and deliberate people, not scatterbrains like me. So, I realised science was not, or plant-based experiments were not going to be the basis for this message. However, Ruben did become an unknowing test subject. Because, (laughs) not like that. (laughs) For some time, he had been telling us that he was afraid of the dark. And as with any parent, we were like, no, you're not. You're not afraid of the dark. And we explained to him multiple times, you know what? When the light is on, when the light is off, nothing has changed. It's exactly the same. And we need light. And we need darkness. It's all, you know, kosher. It's fine. You don't need to worry about it. But it just wasn't working. So then we got him. I'm going to correct that. I got him a hamster. And I was like, you know what, Reeves? This is cool. She's nocturnal. She's going to be in your room. She's going to share your room with you. And then in the night, if you wake up because she's nocturnal, she'll be there running on her wheel. You'll hear her little feet and she'll watch over you and look after you. And this was because at the time he was campaigning to sleep in our room. And we were like, uh -uh. (laughs) not happening. Nope, (laughs) not ever. So did it work? No, it did not work. So he has a hamster and no, it doesn't help at all. Um, (laughs) Instead, he was just getting more and more nightlights. In fact, like the one nightlight that he had in there was so bright, I was actually concerned for the poor hamster. I was like, look, dude, she's getting confused. She's like waking up going, hold on a minute, is it? Is it day or night? I don't even know anymore. Poor little thing. She's all right. She survived. So anyway, about a month and a half ago, he was kind of complaining. And I was like, this is just not working, is it? So we're going to try a different thing. I was like, right, Reuben. I need you to repeat something after me. And when you say it, I want you to say it with some force. I want you to really, really mean it. And he was like, oh. All right, yeah, okay. I was like, right, you ready? I want you to say, I am not afraid of the dark. I probably said it louder than that. I don't want to deafen you, though. Um, (laughs) And he looked at me like I was a crazy lady and laughed, I think. And I was like, no, come on, I'm going to persist. So I was like, come on, you can do this, you can do this. I cheered him on and eventually he got on board with it and he started to say it. And I started to explain to him the power of his words. Because what I realised was, He didn't need me to rationalize his fears for him. What he needed was to speak into his situation intentionally, deliberately, and powerfully. It was going to be about what he said and how he said it that changed that situation. And so for, I don't know, two or three days after that, we would hear him when he was on his own. you would just hear him upstairs going, I'm not afraid of the dark. And we were like, oh, that's awesome he's getting it and then he got even more confident and for about three weeks straight every night as he went up to bed he'd be going up the stairs chanting I'm not afraid of the dark I'm not afraid of the dark and then he'd get to the top and turn all the lights out and then obviously he would turn back on and do his thing and he still had his nightlight at that point point. and then he got even braver and one night he said to us I'm I'm gonna do it I'm not I'm not having a nightlight tonight I'm gonna sleep in the dark and we were like cool that's really brave. You can do this. We believe in you. It's cool. And he did. And then for about a week afterwards, we were like, you know what, as a treat, as a reward for doing this and for celebrating how brave you've been, we will let you have a miniature can of fizzy drink. Because he's not allowed them. And that to him was a big deal. He's like, wow, I get lemonade. Amazing what can make them happy. <laughs> so, he did that. We were super proud. It, what an accomplishment. He took responsibility for his issue, and he spoke into it. He used the power of his words, and it was what he said and how he said it that changed it. He actually, he had, um, some of you may have seen little Henry around today, and last night, they went to bed, and Henry still has a nightlight, and we're like, that's okay, that's cool, you know, that's where you're at. And Reba's like, oh. Henry, you don't need to be afraid of the dark." Like, can we just turn it off? And we're like, Reuben, <laughs> chill, chill. Just let your friend do what he needs to do. It's cool. So, what about in the Bible? Obviously, we know there's scriptures about how powerful your words are. But I kind of wanted to look at situations that really show, like, it is what you say and it is how you say it. So, I just want to skip to Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5 onwards. It's going to be on the screen for you in a second. And... Uh, Yep, there it is. It is this. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering ter- terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And a centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, this is one of the most well-known stories in the New Testament. And generally, we talk about it because of his great faith, which it is. But the reason we know he had great faith is because of what he said and how he said it. So let's imagine if it went and played out a slightly different way. And um, he approached Jesus and he was a little bit anxious about it. And he was like, I don't know how this is going to go down. And when Jesus said... Shall I come and heal him? He was like, "Um, if you just say the word, my servant will be healed, like questioningly. I think personally, Jesus would have been like, yeah, sure, we can do that. But I don't think the centurion would have been so highly commended. We wouldn't have been talking about it today. And it might not have even appeared in scripture. Because it, I mean, let's face it, it's not going to be like, oh, the centurion thought maybe, maybe Jesus could heal. It just wasn't going to happen like that. It was what he said and how he said it that astonished Jesus. The centurion chose his words wisely. He knew who he was talking to, and he knew that it was important to get it right. Because the life of his servant depended on those words, on how effectively he communicated His words had the power of life in them. What he said and how he said it was important. So on the flip side, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. And I'm just going to talk about the story of the Israelites. I'm not going to put the scriptures up on the screen because there is, it's like super long and I don't have time. So... The Israelites have had Moses help them flee from Egypt. They have been slaves, and God has commanded Moses go get them out. He performed many miracles to get them to safety, and he 's promised them a beautiful land where they could go, set up home, live in freedom away from their slaves and mas- uh, you know, slave masters, and they 're going to really flourish as god 's chosen people. so in numbers thirteen they've gotten to the point where they've found that land. It's Canaan. And God has said, yeah, that's your promised land. I'm going to give it to you. So they've sent spies to check it out. And the spies have returned to report their findings. And yes, this land is amazing. But with all things worth having, there's a little catch. To inhabit that land, they've got to defeat some big people. I mean, in in comparison to what they've been through, it kind of, to me, it doesn't sound like that big a deal, but okay. So we see the Israelites really start to complain. They've gotten tired and they've gotten grumpy. They've been asking, are we nearly there yet? For a really long time. And they're discouraged, which is incredible when you think that God literally parted the sea for them to walk through, then led them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so all they had left to do was this one thing, but what happened is that the spies spoke destructively. Out of their own fear and disbelief, their words became a spark that ignited a whole forest. And the result was that God was so angry with their complaining and negativity, he almost wiped them all out. He was going to kill them all. Moses had to intercede. He used his words to bring life in that situation. And so God decided, okay, I'm not going to wipe you out. But this entire generation is never, ever going to see this promised land because of what they said and how they said it. But let's imagine that instead of that happening, it went something like this. We're going to check out the screen again. Will you fight? (laughs) that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Awesome. I love that film that is Braveheart if you've never seen it you should definitely watch it because it is brilliant and this scene is so powerful because of what he said and how he said it that was an entire army just like the Israelites who were there saying no we don't want to fight these people look at them and he used his words he changed the entire army he changed them to thinking yes we're going to fight it was awesome and I, I bet you a million dollars that the Israelites would trade all their days to go back and take their promised land. If only they chosen to speak differently into their situation. If they chosen to speak life-giving, powerful words with some conviction and some enthusiasm. So when I last spoke, I talked about my yo-yo dieting, I don't know if you're here, but I explained that um, I hadn't quite managed to get to the root cause of all these issues with food that I have, and it's actually quite deeply ingrained. So to give you a backstory, if you weren't here... um I met my husband, Matt, when I was about 17 and I weighed, I don't know, probably about seven and a half stone. I was like a little tiny size eight person. But I had something called body dysmorphia. So when I looked in the mirror at myself, what I saw was completely different to what other people saw. I kind of had an obscured vision and particularly I hated my legs. So I felt so strongly about it that I had actually thought on occasions that I wished I could take a knife and carve off my own flesh. That's how bad it was. I weighed myself constantly. If I went over a certain weight, I would punish myself and you know, refuse to eat. And from about 10 till I was about 18, I did not ever go swimming because I thought that if people saw me in a swimming costume, that they would be as disgusted as I was. I really, I cannot stress enough how much I hated my body. So where did this come from? How did I get to that point, and why am I telling you this? Well, as I've been working through this over the last few months and trying to kind of get to the root of it and deal with it once and for all, something came up, and it occurred to me that one of the only things I'd ever heard as a child about my appearance came from my nan. Now, she raised me until I was 10, so she was an important person in my life. She had great influence over me. And what she told me was that I had tree trunk legs. Now, if someone had said to her, that's not a very nice thing to say, she would have gone, oh, don't be silly, I'm just joking. So she would have thought that because of how she said it, that what she said wasn't important because she was joking. But the truth is, the actual words that she said, what she said and how she said it, impacted my entire Life. I received those words as truth and they affected me and the way that I saw myself from that point on. Now, remember my empty plant pot? So there you go. I thought, oh, there's still some soil in there. I thought that this was just a funny story to share with you all, but actually it serves a purpose because the reason this plant didn't survive was because I forgot to water it. I didn't water it. If you've ever seen the film Bambi, some of you hopefully will have, there's a phrase that Thumper says, and he says, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Well, in many ways, I believe if you don't say anything, it's almost as bad as saying something negative, because over time, the result kind of ends up the same. You know, I didn't water my plant, and eventually it died. If I'd said something negative to it, in theory, it would have died. Any plant in my house is going to die, though. to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, if you are struggling to find things about your husband or wife to say that are positive and you say nothing at all, well, eventually, that's just as damaging because in order to thrive and in order to flourish, we need to know that we are loved And one of the ways to do that is to tell that person that you love them in an authentic and a convincing way. If I never told Matt I loved him, he'd question whether I did. Think about the amount of children, and adults as well, that have spent their life wishing to know or have their parents say to them, I'm proud of you. And instead, the lack of those words destroys their self-confidence. Because maybe those parents were proud. And they just didn't know how to say it. And it's just not their thing. They're just not very vocal. Maybe no one had ever said it to them. But without actually speaking it out, it doesn't have an impact. not a positive one, anyway. It needs to be said. For a child to fry, they have to be watered. And this isn't in my notes, but... I kind of felt like there was two examples of this that kind of popped up over the last day. Obviously in the news at the moment is someone who has been heavily scrutinised by the press and the media and, and maybe people around her and, and unfortunately that has had a disastrous end. But it was what they said and how they said it that was so destroying and destructive in her life. And this morning I was on uh, one of my photography face gr- Facebook groups for um, like newborn photography. One of the women posted this picture, and it was beautiful. And she said that her mum had walked in and seen it and then criticised the picture. And she was like, "I just, it really hurts. Like, could she not just say just one thing, positive? And then about 30 other women in this group then commented and were like, yep, it's exactly the same for me. My mum's told me that she doesn't even understand why anyone would pay for the photos that I take. And one said, oh, I've just stopped trying now. I don't even bother. Don't even show them my work. And it's heartbreaking. I'm like, goodness. are these people that just want to be told. Wow, I'm proud of you. And it's destroying their self-confidence. So anyway. I realised that the same thing had happened to me as a child, because my only memory is being told I have tree trunk legs, but there was no other positive to go alongside that that could have counteracted what was said. However, my cousin, who was really cute, really pretty, she was always told she was really cute and really pretty. So I'm like comparing, like, oh, okay, (laughs) she gets all the, the good comments, and now I'm over here with my tree trunk legs, and... Obviously, that had a massive impact on me. That lack of anything positive affected me. And you know what? I wasn't brought up in church. We were all atheists at that point in my life. But that power of those negative words affected me. It affects everyone, church or not. That principle applies. So, to overcome this, I have obviously got to change what I say, what I speak over myself I've got a lot of years of negativity to undo so what I say and how I say it is really really important and I'm not going to lie when I was praying about this and I was like God I just I know I need to, to deal with this but I don't know how and at the time I'd been talking about my issue with Zeke and how I'd overcome that and I just felt like God saying you know what it's no different I need you to love you I need you to speak goodness over you just like you did with him And I cried. I was like, God, I I can't do that. I really can't. Like, I don't believe any of that. Like, how can I say something that isn't true? And God said, you need to speak my truth over you. And my truth is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I was like, yeah, actually, I can get on board with that. I can do that because I can believe it. I can be convincing and I can say it with conviction. And I can actually accept the truth of it. So that's where I'm at. That's what I'm dealing with it is what I say and it is how I say it that is going to break through in this situation. So now you know what I'm facing. What about you? Maybe there's issues that you're struggling to overcome and maybe it's time that you think about the words that you are speaking into that situation. Have a think about it because it is what you say and it is how you say it. That's it. We're out of time this morning, so I'm just going to pray quickly. Father, I just thank you that we have your word, that we have your truth and that it is powerful in our lives, that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made and that you've given us all the tools that we need to overcome the issues that we're facing. We thank you that you love us so much and that you will never leave us or forsake us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Liberty Church, Thetford. To find out more about Liberty, check out our website at www.libertycentre.org.uk or search for Liberty Church Thetford on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube.